Welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast, the show that helps runners and athletes in running-based sports transform the way they run. Here's your host, Tyson Popplestone. Ladies and gents, this is episode 160 of the Relaxed Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tyson Popplestone. Thanks for being here. Now, we're celebrating three years of this podcast today. The time's gone fast, 160 episodes, that's a lot of talking, so I really appreciate uh, not only the guests, but all the support from you guys, and uh, as always, I'm really open to hearing who you'd like to hear from, who you might like to hear from again, so if you haven't let me know, please jump over on Instagram or on the website and just, hey, let us know who you'd like me to reach out to, or if you've got any connections of people that you think might be a good guest on the show, please let me know. Also excited, before we get into it today, to let you know that just this week I've launched our ready-made training programs over at Relax Running. So regardless of what level athlete you are, how new to the sport or how old to the sport, we've got ready-made training programs for the marathon, beginner, intermediate, advanced, same for half marathon, 10K, and the 5K programs are almost ready. I'm just doing the final touches and edits on those at the moment. But by mid-next week, they should be on the website as well. More than that, I'm about to put together some free training programs just for general maintenance. So if you want to get a little bit of a feel for how I structure the training over here at Relax Running, keep your eye out for those. Go to relaxrunning.com, hit the coaching tab, and you'll see the ready-made training programs. If you're after something a little more specific, I'm also doing custom training programs where you and I can sit down together pick out a race and really come up with a plan that suits not just your fitness level, um, but your competitive desires as well. So it's just a little bit of a guider for you. Is that a word? A little bit of a guider? A little bit of guidance for you as you prepare to perform over the event that you've got your eyes set on. So relaxrunning.com, hit the coaching tab, and there's a few programs there you can either purchase or just get a bit of a feel for the maintenance ones when they're up. I'm guessing that'll be towards the end of next week. But for today on the show, for the very first time, we've got the world trail running champion. Lucky to have this man, Mr. Adam Peterman. He uh, he recently took home the uh, the world 80k trail running champs in Thailand, I think it was. And man, the guy the guy put an absolute clinic. He's a machine on the trails. It's really inspiring to just watch the progress of him. Watch how much he's just taken the sport by the uh, the scruff of the neck, and he's taken it to new levels. Like any ultra-endurance style run, I'm fascinated to learn about the training, about the hydration, about the food, about the recovery. There's so much that goes into a performance over these distances, and this uh, this episode doesn't let us down. He's a a really clear speaker. Uh, He's very open. He's very honest, and uh, he's got a real gentle nature about him, which made him super easy to talk to. I I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with him. Um, If you're a mountain runner, if you're a trail runner, especially, you're going to love it. It's a... it's just an absolute goldmine of information, so I was having a blast with him. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed having the conversation with him. For now, I'm going to get out of your way. Remember, if you want look, uh, if you want to have a look at those programs, relaxrunning.com, hit the coaching tab. You'll see them all there. For now, welcome to the show for the very first time, the world trail running champion, Mr. Adam Peterman. Man, I've been uh, cheering for you the last few months. It's been fun getting to watch your progress and, and getting to watch or learn a little bit more about your your antics in the world of mountain running and, and trail running. But dude, it's uh, it's good to have you here. And I was I was also saying just before I hit record, I was asking you about your your college life and, and whether or not it's sort of rich and deep. And I thought that could be a good launch pad for us because 
in some roundabout way, it'd be a nice entry into the uh, the story of your distance running story. Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, super cool to be on a podcast in Australia. And uh, yeah, it's been nice getting to chat with you and get to know you. Um, but yeah, so I ran, uh, I ran in college in, uh, I ran at University of Colorado, which is in Boulder. But it's, uh, it's considered like, one of the, like, it's, I guess it's one of the faster schools for cross country and track in the country. Um, like my freshman and sophomore year, we were national champions in cross country. So it was really fun to be a part of. Um, but it was also really tough too. uh, the, yeah, we trained pretty hard at Colorado and, uh, yeah, there were definitely times where it was awesome, you know, running with the guys and having a lot of success, but yeah, I definitely had quite a few injuries, um, at the end of my career there, like the last two years just had pesky Achilles tendonitis. Um, but overall it was like super cool to be running, uh, division one in college and something like you can't really replicate, uh, you know, once college is over, you can't really replicate running cross country with all your friends and all the guys. So yeah, definitely a time I look back on pretty fondly. Especially here in Australia. It's so funny that college scene is the best scene for distance runners to be a part of in, in the States. Cause over here, I think if you get involved in cross country running, then you go to university, there's four other people who are interested in what you do and zero of them are girls. <laughs> so it's yeah. like some real humble pie taking a sport like that into a, into an Australian university. But but Colorado, man, that's a, a cool place to to kickstart the college life because I know a lot of Aussies have gone over there and are training in Boulder at the moment. I don't know what the altitude is, but in terms of being serious about your distance running, it's a, a pretty nice place to find yourself, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Boulder was a great place to train. I mean it's kind of a unique spot. It's like right where the plains meet the mountains. And so, yeah, like town is actually quite flat and you can run on all these dirt roads. Um, great training all year. It's like really sunny. Um, but then if you want to run up at altitude, like you can gain like a thousand meters, um, just in a short little drive and train at seven or 8,000 feet. But yeah, it was a, it's a great place to train, great place to run bike. Um, yeah, a lot of really, really good athletes train there year round. Are you from Colorado originally? Uh, no, I'm from Montana. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, yeah, I grew up in Montana. Went to school in Boulder for those five years, and then I actually moved back to my hometown right after right after graduation, and I've lived there ever since. Yeah. Okay. How does Montana work when it comes to the the running scene? It's one place I haven't been in the states. Actually, I say it's one place I haven't been in the states. There's so many places I haven't been in the states, but that's on the list. Oh yeah, of there's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of places I haven't been here either. It's, it's such a big country. Um, no, Montana is great where I live in Missoula. It's, uh, you know, we have a pretty good, we have winter from like December through February through March, maybe. Um, but for year, so for like year round running, those winter months are tough, but man, it's, it's great trail running. Like right from town, we have all sorts of trails, all sorts of different routes you can run. Um, like I live pretty central in my city and I probably don't have to run much more than a mile to get onto like all sorts of different trails. So no, it's great. Um, and then in the summer, it's just awesome. You know, we, you can, you can run up high, you can get to these Alpine lakes, do a lot of different peaks. Um, and then in the winter, I just do a lot of skiing. So it's uh, yeah, it's been great for me. Yeah. It's awesome. I was having a look at your Instagram account earlier and it looks as though there might not be as much trail running happening as much as the cross country skiing right now. It looks beautiful. Oh yeah. Winter came kind of early. Um, like, 
usually I'd say we have snow on the ground sometime in December, but yeah, I feel like it was about a month early this year because uh, I was I was in Thailand for the World Championships in November, and I got back, uh, yeah, like mid-November. And when I came back, it was like zero degrees outside and just so cold. And especially, you know, I got kind of used to the nice tropical environment of Thailand. It was uh, <laughs> definitely a shock to the system for a few days. <laughs> How long were you in Thailand for? Uh, I was there for like two weeks. Yeah, it was a super fun trip. Man, that's a pretty quick turnaround because I was I was watching a couple of your pre-race interviews. Um, for anyone listening who might not know, we're talking about the World Mountain Running Championships. Or is it World Trail Running Championships? I always get those two titles inter, interwebbed. Oh, yeah, it's... Uh... It's both now. And so, yeah, there used to just be, there were two champ championships in the past. There were the World Mountain Running Championships and the World Trail Running Championships. Uh, but now it's the World Mountain and Trail Running Championships. So they, they consolidated, they made it be like four different events. And it's more, it's all, it's all governed by World Athletics. So it's a little more official. But honestly, I didn't know either. Uh, I learned Such a that relief. Like, after the race. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I misspoke. I think in one of the either interviews or talking to someone, and they corrected me. So yeah, I didn't know either. Oh, that makes that makes me feel so much better. As I started asking the question, I thought, hang on a second, I should have clarified this before we got started. But I knew I was, I knew I was a little bit close to the money. But yeah, two weeks over there, and uh, what? So how did you uh, sort of plan that around your race? Did you get there a week and a half early because? It's a it's a long way to travel, isn't it? And it's always hard when you're trying to you know understand the schedule of a race and also under uh, understand like the circadian rhythm of your body to try and get some yeah. sleep and recovery and actually feel good getting out there to the start uh, the start of the race. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I got there. Let's see. Yeah, I got there on a Monday and raced on a Saturday, so I had about almost a week. Um, and I thought that was that was pretty good. Like, I. I think we we're saying earlier, but I've always found like when I go, I've gone to Asia once before, uh, a few years ago, we, we went to Singapore for a family vacation. Um, but I wasn't really jet lagged going over there, but I was much more jet lagged coming back to the, to the U S. So, uh, yeah, I found, I found going to Thailand. Um, yeah, I guess for like five days before was, it was totally fine. Like felt kind of jet lagged for yeah, a couple of days, I guess. And then it was all good. Um, the main difference was just the climate. Like Thailand's really humid and warm and Montana in November like is not. So uh I did plenty of heat training in Montana and I think I think that helped a lot. But yeah, definitely just had to get used to that humidity. Yeah. What were you doing for the heat training in Montana? Because even then it would have been starting to cool down a little bit, was it? Was the was it about two months ago now, a month and a half ago that you raced in Thailand? Yeah, it was uh yeah, I think it was it, like four weeks ago. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. So it was already starting to yeah. cool down a little bit where you were. How were you getting the heat training done in Montana? Yeah, I tried. So I tried to do. I guess I did two weeks of heat training, um, and I was pretty lucky because the first week in Montana, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't too cold yet. It was probably like sixty degrees Fahrenheit or maybe sixty-five, and so that first week I would just run and wear. I wore like all my clothes and so I'd wear like I'd be running when it was somewhat warm out and I'd wear like tights and sweats and then on top I'd wear like a down jacket and like a hunting cap and like gardening gloves so I'd run around in like that whole outfit <laughs> uh and honestly that worked pretty well you'd get pretty dang hot by the end of that all um 
you know, you're like super thirsty and your pulse is really high. So I actually thought that worked pretty well. And then the second week of heat training, uh, Montana got way colder. Like the high was maybe like 40 degrees Fahrenheit during the day. <laughs> and so those days I would go, I stopped heat training because it wasn't working with the, with the clothes. Um, and instead I was going into a steam room at my gym. And so I would just try to go in the steam room for like, I think I could do like 15 minutes at a pop before I felt like I was going to pass out and then I'd get out and do it again. So I would just, I would just try to like get some sort of heat exposure every day. And that seemed to work pretty well. Yeah. And what, what kind of temperature was the uh, steam room that you were training in? Gosh, you know, I don't know. I typically I've gone to a sauna at my friend's house that, and that one gets really hot. That'll be like 180 degrees and that's a dry sauna, but the steam room, I don't think it's as hot. Um, it didn't have a thermometer, but I just, I would just stay in there until my heart rate got to like 140, 130 or something like that. And then stay in there as long as I could and then get out. Yeah. It's funny how technology allows us to do things like that. There's a Australian marathon runner, one of our best marathon runners, Steve Moneghetti from back in sort of the early nineties or mid nineties. He was probably at his prime. And he has this story in his book. I'm sure it's him where he was training to go to a Commonwealth Games race. And it was a uh, like a really hot climate as well. And he's in he's from a place in Victoria, which is relatively cold, not known for its heat at all. So he used to, he set up his treadmill in the room where he's like washer and dryer is, and he would just pump the dryer. And uh, as it heated up, he'd go in there and he would just sink his run <laughs> with like the hot part of the dry circuit. So it's funny how creative people get when it comes oh, to, geez. yeah, just trying to get their body acclimatized to whatever it is that they're going to do. It's funny though, like you say, <clears throat> the yeah just putting on the whole outfit it's seemed to work but there's there's not really a heat more you can do is there like if the sun's not shining you you got to make yourself hot somewhere did you get to the point where did you ever have a garbage bag with your head poking through it all or you didn't get that serious oh gosh yeah i never i never did the garbage bag but i definitely i was considering that because it is funny when you wear all those clothes like that um at a certain point they just get wet with all your sweat and then they're not especially hot um but yeah i didn't do the garbage bag i found i found it was sufficient at least for doing like a 90 minute run to wear all those clothes because man i mean i remember i i did a run that was like eight miles and it was this it was like one of the runs where i felt especially hot because i was wearing all my clothes and it, it was like that day in montana where it was not that cold out still and i remember i was going like not very fast like maybe eight minute miles and at mile seven, I felt like really, really bad. And I stopped and just checked my heart rate to see what it was. And it was like almost 200 and I was doing like an easy run. So I was <laughs> definitely like getting the effect. Uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy, but it, heat, heat training's funny. Like I've only done two, I guess I've only done two races in the heat. So I've only had to heat train twice, but there's like so much science out about it. And it's kind of contradictory. Like, um, some people say that sauna and steam room like is the route to go. Um, and then some people say that like that doesn't really work very well and you should try to like run in a hot environment or wear all your clothes and go running. So I've found like doing a combination of both has worked well, but yeah, it is funny how much uh, differing science there is about it. It's interesting. This is a conversation I have a lot with the athletes that I coach because 
there's no substitute for just self-experimentation, is there? Like, obviously, you can have your markers and you can get a bit of an idea of what might work and what definitely is not going to work. But then it is incredible just how certain things are horrific for some people, like gels, for example. Some people seem to thrive on them. And then the flip side of that is it's yeah. some people who, no matter how many times they go out and they practice running with gels, gels, they just can't seem to get it sit right in their stomach and they, they feel yuck. And, like, I mean, there's endless science out there telling you about how great they are. But I'm sure, just like you say, the flip side of that is there'd be another scientist out there going, no, actually, I've, the latest research says you got to just stick with orange juice and bicarb soda or <laughs> whatever it is. It's a, how do you yeah, navigate that yeah. world? Because it's, kind of, yeah. it's kind of frustrating, especially when you're trying to you know, figure out how you're going to get the most out of yourself in these relatively u- unique situations with the, well, the heat in this instance. Oh, for sure. And like, I, I met with a, a researcher at the university in my town at University of Montana. And, you know, he's done, he's done like studies on people who are running at Western States and the Ironman and like specific heat studies. And he told me, he's like, dude, like passive heat training. And so passive being like, you're in the sauna, like not not being active in the heat he was like passive heat training doesn't work very well like you need to you need to run either wearing a bunch of clothes or like go down to arizona and train in the heat and i remember like the first day i was heat training for the thailand race i posted a photo on my instagram story uh running and like all my clothes and my beanie and everything and someone replied and they were like no, dude, that's so wrong. Like you're going to ruin all your training. Like that's not how it works. And I was like, God, like what? Cause he's, he was reading scientific literature as well. And I'm like, man, which ones, which guy's correct here? It's, it's just kind of funny. Oh man. But in the end it, it seemed to work quite well. Like, is that something that if you were racing in heat again, you would just adopt that same strategy? I mean, you can't, you can't leave a race where you've just beaten the best in the world and go, nah, it wasn't the most ideal setup. So it's funny when you have these people in the research book and no, no disrespect to, to the yeah, mate yeah. at the uh, local college but it is funny when you have people who are doing all the studies and all the research and then you got a bloke like yourself who goes all right but what i'm going to do is going to go out and just try and make this work and i mean it seemed to work better yeah. than what everyone else was doing on the particular day so like how do you balance that in your mind at the end uh, at the end of a race like that or a training block like that to be more specific i guess you should say yeah it's good yeah i think it gives me confidence now like because i did a heat training block for western states and i did a heat training block for thailand so i think i'm starting to hone in like what my heat training should look like and so that's good like now that i have the confidence to see that i guess like my little heat training idea that i came up with with this researcher it actually worked so uh but yeah there's definitely some things i would like tweak um like you know before western states i went I lived in Arizona for a week uh, with my grandma. She lives in Phoenix. And, you know, every day I ran outside when it was about 100 degrees. And I think that worked. But I just remember kind of showing up to the Western State start line after my heat training camp. And I was like totally smoked. Like the race went great. Western States was awesome. But I just kind of feel like if I'm going to do a heat training camp again, I, I probably wouldn't do every single day in the heat. Like I think that was just too much, too exhausting. So yeah, it's been it's been good to like have these experiences and and learn from them because yeah, I think hopefully it just helps in the future. And things with hydration, how did you navigate that? Are you are you carrying gels or have you got uh, water and things set up along the path? Or because when you're you know dealing with the distances and um, you know the hours on your feet that you're running, 
obviously hydration is a big factor, um, but it's 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 tricky sometimes unless you've got someone on a bike next to you dropping jinx mm-hmm. or gels off into your lap. Yeah, yeah, hydration uh, super important, and like I've, I've kind of found that like when I'm running with my friends here in in Montana, I I tend to drink a lot more than they do. Even I think like I'm kind of a taller guy, and I kind of I've kind of started to realize that I drink just like. I don't know, like 25% more than they might even on a run. Um, so yeah, like during Western States and Thailand, I, I tried to carry, like I would carry a liter and a half of water on me. Um, and my calories would be, it'd be a mix of things. Like I do have calories in the bottles. Um, but I also carry gels and like fruit snacks just in case. Um, and I've actually found like during these hotter races, a lot of times at the beginning of the race, I can take the calories in the bottles, but after a certain point, like that starts to become really hard to stomach and I've had to switch to gels or gummies. Um, but that's just me. Like, yeah, I think it just depends on the day. Like you said earlier, like nutrition is so personal. Um, but that's kind of been my experiences. Yeah. The, the bottles go sour after a couple hours and I move, move to gels. Yeah. When you say the calories in the bottles, what are you actually drinking to get the calories there? Uh, I use scratch super fuel. And so like if you use that full strength, it'll have 400 calories per bottle. Um, but you can totally have it be less. I usually, I have it be a little less when it's hot, but if it's not hot out, I can do 400. Yeah. Awesome, man. No, that's good. That's good. I can just hear the ultra runners because this is something that ultra runners nerd out about so many questions after any runner who's run more than sort of 50 or 60 K comes on this podcast. They're like, oh, we need more about their hydration plan. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I was a 1500 meter. Oh, yeah. I didn't think to ask. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, awesome, man. That's really good. So I'm sure. Oh yeah. Uh, it is so, it is so different. Yeah. It's interesting though. Not the, oh, it, the, it is so different. Like, in, in... oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, man. No, you go. I think I was about to, I think I was about to ask you what you were leading in to say. Oh, just it's funny that, uh, yeah, going from running like in college, you know, we were running the 1500 or the steeple uh, and, you know, we'd we'd go for a long run, maybe 16 miles, 18 miles, and you don't eat anything. And then you move to ultras and like eating is such an important thing. Uh, yeah, it's just funny how different it is, uh, the two sports really. Yeah. What was it that made you make the move from the track and field sort of even the cross country world into the much longer stuff? Yeah, I, uh, I I had a few influencers, like not influencers, but I had a lot of influence. Actually, when I was in high school, my my assistant coach in high school was a professional ultra runner, a really well-known, it, Mike Foote is his name, but, you know, he's finished top five at UTMB two times. Um, and that was while I was in high school. And so I think that had a big influence on me just having this like great guy who was my assistant coach, like really looked up to him uh, just see, he led this really cool life. Um, and it was, it was running, but it was kind of a different style of running that was a lot, just a lot different than like what, what we were doing in high school. So I think that was kind of the first thing that got ultra running on my mind. But then in college uh, we, we didn't follow ultra running at all. Like, it just wasn't really on my radar. And, uh, yeah, but after college, I, you know, I had quite a few injuries at the end of my college career. I'd say I finished college feeling pretty burnt out on the sport and 
pretty unsure like what my relationship with running would look like if if I would even run like post collegiately. Um, so I moved back to Montana. That's where I'm from after after being in Boulder for five years. And uh, fortunately, I actually started coaching at the same high school that I went to uh, growing up. And so that actually like got me back into running again. I started running with the kids. Like it was really, really a good introduction for me to like just start running again and like remember why I got into it in the first place. Um, but man, like the community we live in, in uh, Montana here, like the access to trails is just so great that even, even with me just running a little bit with the Hellgate team, that's the high school I went to, it's called Hellgate. Um, just a little bit of running with the Hellgate team and, maybe making some new friends around town, like trail runs and ultra running was kind of like what everyone did. Um, so I think I just kind of fell into it just by the people I was surrounded by. I never, I never thought like that first year after college, my, my ambition was to never like be a professional ultra runner. Um, I just was, yeah, running trails and just enjoying it again. So it's, uh, yeah, kind of funny that it led to this, but initially that was never the plan yeah man is it a, a pretty sort of universal story in the ultra running scene that a lot of the athletes you're running against have the same sort of foundations that they started off at the shorter distances and just found themselves out there on the trails yeah i think it's uh i feel like it's headed that way like it seems like more of the more of like the american trail runners that i interact with most of them ran in college um, where I think 10 years ago, that probably wasn't the case. So it's cool. I think, I think uh, like some really good athletes now are choosing the trails over, uh, over just like maybe staying on the roads, but it's definitely a mixed bag. Like, like the guy I mentioned before, Mike foot, uh, great ultra runner, great, uh, great performances at UTMB. Um, he, he didn't run at all in high school or college. Like he just started running after college to, like just for for fitness for recreation he almost came at it from a background of like doing big hikes and just being like an outdoorsy guy so it is cool in trail how you have that mixed bag um or you have other guys who came into it like one guy i've been racing uh he was a professional triathlete before so i think it seems like now most people have like some background in aerobic sport like triathlon or nordic skiing or running but not necessarily like just all college runners. Yeah, okay. It's interesting. Yeah, probably like a, a Cameron Haynes approach sounds like Mike had. I don't know if you've followed much of Cam Haynes or you know who he is, but uh, uh, -uh uh no. No, I think he's I think he's well known as a, a bow hunter in the States, but he's also like a crazy oh, wow. marathon, a ultra marathon style runner. Like he'll go out and he's almost like a date. I don't know if you know David Goggins, but he's almost like a David Goggins character yeah. oh, in the yeah. sense that he just loves a challenge from what I can understand. And uh, he's, you should, oh, you should follow that. him, yeah. man. Like he's, he's got a really, uh, he's got a really interesting, or both of them, but, but for this sake, um, for this story, Cam Haynes, he's got a really interesting Instagram feed and he's, he's pretty inspiring to see what he's capable of. I mean, I'll look at him with the same respect. I look at a bloke like you because he's just a guy, he's just getting out there and he's getting it done and he's working hard and he's spending time outdoors and he's fit and he's healthy in it it kind of makes a sport like oh, ours cool. <laughs> look a little more attractive because I don't know what your experience was in high school, but over here it was the football team that was a, it was a little more popular and a little more appealing, but you get a, a bloke like that on your side. You go, oh, you know what, yeah, hey, look, yeah. at, look who we've got on our team now. Um, so it makes it, it makes it a whole heap of yeah. fun. But um, 
in terms of training, uh, going from that cross-country style, university style uh, athlete that we've just been talking about, obviously things start to mix up a little bit when you get into the the ultra world. Like, are there some big differences between your training now and what you were doing sort of in the earlier days in your career? Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, especially like if you compare the training I do now to the training that we did when I was running in college, yeah, it's, it's a lot different. Um, I think right now it's like definitely less, less intensity, but a lot more volume. Um, and now I incorporate, you know, way more climbing into the training, way more trails and a lot more cross training as well. Um, and that's just worked better for me. So yeah, like typically, I guess I'll try to shoot for like between, I don't know, like 16 to 20 hours of training per week when I'm going, like when I'm actually getting volume. Um, but in college, so, you know, that'll end up being like hundred little over a hundred miles a week. Um, I'll be on the bike a couple days a week, or if it's winter, I'll be skiing like quite a bit more. Um, but in college, I think the main difference was, yeah, we would run, I, I wouldn't run that much, but I'd probably run like 80 to 90 miles a week, but it's just so, it's so flat. It doesn't take as long. Um, and we're just running such a faster pace. We're doing workouts two, maybe even three days a week. Um, sometimes even four days a week so i think now just yeah a lot lot, lot less intensity um more volume but i found that has made me be like quite a bit healthier and uh just like the i just enjoy training like that a little bit more like love getting out on the bike love love skiing love mixing it up with that kind of stuff um yeah it's been uh it's been good it's helped me be a lot healthier yeah in terms of just uh keeping away from injury and things like that yeah i think like in college, I kept having problems with my Achilles. It was just like this chronic issue. Um, and now like it still hurts a little bit, but I think just not running in spikes and being on trail, being being on like the different type of terrain has been been really good for it. Um, and then just, you know, like if you're training in college, you're training for a race that takes like nine minutes um, and you're you know, that takes a lot of intensity. You're doing these track workouts that are really difficult. And I just can't, I, I think it'd be really hard for me now to be doing that training here in Missoula because it would be, I'd be training alone. Um, so like once you remove the team, like I way prefer the type of training I do now because, you know, you, you're getting out, you're running the trails, you're bagging peaks, you're doing all this fun stuff. And to me, it doesn't necessarily feel just like training. It's like, every day is kind of a little adventure, which that's just awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. I was watching one of Ali Kipchoge's documentaries on YouTube a couple of weeks ago. And it's funny because when you think about distance running, so much of it is thought about as just being an individual sport. And I guess like when it comes down to, to bare bone results, that's what it is. But what was awesome about this documentary was it just showed the fun that him and his teammates were having when they were in the gym or when they were out on a long run and like you say, for him, it wasn't just a, or it didn't appear to be just a, a long run or some thing that had to be ticked off a training list. It was a, it was a real social thing, a real fun thing. And I thought, man, like that's the, a great approach to the sport of distance running. So you're doing a lot of running with, with um, other ultra sort of runners in your area. It's a big social thing at the same time as being a physical yeah. training thing. Yeah, totally. It's, it's really cool. Like, Missoula here where, where I live, uh, we have a pretty strong running community. Like 
we have, I actually work for a company that puts on trail races around town. Um, and it's super fun. Like there's all sorts of different people who are racing and like, yeah, just like all different sorts of people. Like some people are hiking, some people are taking it really seriously. Um, so it's cool that we have like this running community. And then I just have so many friends around town who are like pretty, like really solid athletes. Um, like my girlfriend is sponsored by Hoka. Uh, two of my great friends are also sponsored by Hoka for trail. And so there's four of us here, just all with Hoka. Um, and then like several other athletes with North face. And it's, it's a great scene for, for trail runners. Um, kind of funny, like we don't have any professional road athletes, but for trail, it's a super solid spot to be. And uh, I feel pretty lucky because like all these people are my close friends as well. So yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That is cool, man. Hoka seems to have taken a real liking to towards the ultra endurance stuff. Is that what they're focused on? Because one of my mates here, I'm not sure if you know Dion Finokiara. Oh no, I don't know. I don't know them. Nah, he's a he's the Aussie. I think he's the 50k and 100k record holder over here. Oh, he's just wow. a, he's a real fun guy to follow on Strava. I actually noticed he's a follower of yours. I, I clicked on your Instagram profile. Oh, Dion, you know up. maybe I I may have met him actually. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if you have. Like, if you saw a photo of his, maybe you would. But he's a he's a real gun athlete over here, and he was my introduction to the the brand Hoka as well. Because uh, Hoka, am I saying it right? Hoka, Hoka. Yeah, yeah, Hoka. Yeah, yeah, I haven't said it enough. So just as I was saying it, then I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty sure I've stuffed this up as well. Um, yeah, Hoka. He's a he was my introduction to it, and man, he's running around him and in, in them everywhere. And I thought, okay, for them to be on board with him, they've got to have something serious to do with the, the real world of long, long stuff. No, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, so I, I've been with Hoka two years, um, but it just really seems like they're, they really care about trail running and ultra running. Um, like they just became the title sponsor of UTMB, like the big race in, in France that happens every summer. Um, yeah. And it just seems like, they're sponsoring like some of the best athletes around and like really leaning into it. So yeah, I feel, I feel pretty lucky to be with, with that company with how heavily they're investing in trail. Um, and you know, I think I actually did meet Dion now that you mention it. I think there was an event that Hoka put on uh, for the hundred K world record to be broken. It was called the project carbon X two yes. was the second rendition of it. <laughs> and I was a pacer there and I think Dion was there as well. Ah, oh, it sounds like the kind of event he would be at, to be honest. It probably was there. I'll have to scroll through his Instagram page and see if he uh he rocked up there himself. But he's a he's a gunman. Like he's if you want someone fun to follow on Strava, check him out because some of the runs that he puts out there, you go, Oh my gosh, like the guy's insane. And I say that with nothing oh, but loving cool. my the best the best kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll to, I, yeah, I bet he was there. I'll have to check him out. So what's uh, what's coming up next for you, man? You're in recovery mode a little bit now and and then what do you got your sights set on? Yeah, it's uh yeah, I'm kind of in the off season now. Um which is cool. It's cool to have an off season uh coming from like college running which was just like all year round. But yeah, I'll be I'll be doing kind of a mix of just skiing and running through the winter. Um just I don't do many serious ski races. Uh I just kind of do it for fun. Uh but yeah, the plan is I'll be back at Western States in June next year. Um so looking to try to defend my title and just try to run a fast time there. So that's my goal in June. And then uh, my hope is I can turn around 
and actually run one of the races at UTMB. So whether that would be OCC or CCC. So yeah, that's the the plan for the summer. And then I'll probably do one or two shorter races before Western States this spring. Um, but I'm still trying to decide what those will look like. Yeah. What's a shorter race to you at the moment? Are we talking 10K or like a half marathon or, or even shorter? Uh, it'd probably be like a 50K. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Cause I, yeah, that's true. That isn't that much shorter, but I guess in <laughs> comparison to Western States, it's a little shorter. <laughs> yeah. That, how far is Western States? Sorry. It's a hundred miler. A hundred miler. Yeah, man. That's unreal. That's yeah. unreal. I've got a friend I was talking yeah. to when I was in Oregon. I'd love to know what it is. You guys seem to put on a good show when it comes to the ultra stuff. There seems to be a lot of sort of hundred milers that you can have access to if you want them over in the states but even what's that one that's i want to say it's 300 miles and it goes across the desert or it goes across some uh, uh, uh is there like a famous 300 miler over there or am i just oh. making yeah well there's uh gosh the i think the longest race i know of is that moab 240 sorry moab 240 uh, is exactly the big, one that i'm talking about yeah that's the one yeah, yeah. well david goggins did that he, yeah, he ran it a couple of years ago of course he did yeah of course <laughs> have you ever have you ever looked at doing that oh no i think i feel like right now the longest i want to go is 100 milers i guess like utmb is 106 miles so i i'd like to do utmb in the next couple of years probably uh but yeah i mean even even running western states seems a little psychotic to me but uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah, hundred miles is as far as I'd like to go right now. I still, I still like running fast, uh, even though my fast isn't as fast as it used to be. <laughs> no, nah, awesome man, that's good. Well, dude, it's uh, it's really good to to finally get a chance to sit down with you and pick your brain a little bit about the training and the ins and outs of of what you're doing. And um, you've got yourself a new fan from over in Australia, so I'll be cheering for you, watching your progress. So good luck, man. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the next couple of or couple of weeks or whatever you got of downtime and. Yeah, hope you stay fit, strong, and healthy and, and get back out there fitter and faster than ever. Hey, thanks so much. And I uh, hope you enjoy, what, it's almost summer there, right? Summer's coming along. We're getting real close. I've got a long sleeve shirt on right now and I'm, I'm regretting it because I'm sort of sitting next to a window and uh, that sun's starting to shine through and I haven't seen it for a little while. So uh -huh. I'm, uh, I'm hoping <laughs> summer's coming. Yeah, well, thanks so much. Uh, yeah, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, enjoy the summer. That's just crazy to me because it's uh, it's pretty freezing outside right now. Snow's <laughs> blowing, so enjoy oh, it. <laughs> thank you, brother. I appreciate you coming on. I'll see you next time. Yep, thanks. All right, see everybody. Thanks for listening to the Relaxed Running Podcast. If you're ready to become a faster, more efficient runner, visit www.relaxedrunning.com 